Welcome to the new era of the Chicago Bears on your new home of the Bears. ESPN Chicago, WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. My day is my off, so um, whether it's here or not, you know, uh, I have no regrets. Um, shout out to, you know, you guys for, you know, making my job a little bit harder. But, um, yeah, uh, just to the city of Chicago, love y'all. Appreciate the fans and the support from all the Bears, you know, in case this is my last rodeo with y'all, and just appreciate y'all for everything. Justin Fields, uh, I thought that was interesting yesterday. Kind of already was saying goodbye uh, at he's the been, podium. He's handled, his perspective has been fantastic for a 24, 25-year-old kid who has been asked about his job security now for the entire calendar football season. Like, I think the kid has handled himself with class at every turn. There's no wonder why people like him. He's a hard worker. He's a likable guy. He's a good leader. All of that stuff is goes without saying. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's what makes it the harder decision because of the chemistry, because of his leadership, because of the way he's handled it, because of the work ethic, because of the, the plays and the athleticism that you see. That you just, you, you hope and you thought that it could all work together. It's intoxicating. Some of the stuff he does is intoxicating. Yeah, but but then you see, like, I read the stat. Jordan Love, do you know how many uh, touchdowns Jordan Love has thrown since week 11? 18. 18. Do you know how many touchdowns uh, that Justin Fields has thrown this year? 18. 16. 16. He's had 20, including rushing. Yeah. So Jordan Love has thrown 18 since week 11. Justin Fields has 20 touchdowns total for the year. He's thrown 16 total in the year. You know, and the, the, like those he are the four th- games of the injury. But, right, but, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah. The, those are the things that you, you just and and again, like last week, it's a great game from Justin. Yeah, it was fabulous, no, but. No, no credit to Getze. No, this well, week, I mean, this, some, yeah. th- this week, it's right. It's it's all Getze's fault. Wow. No blame to Justin. That's the way it's been all year. That's that. That's how another road game without a touchdown. Yeah, though that's how it goes. And and that that those that's my problem that I've always had in this. So I want to play you this. Um, there were a couple of things, a couple of hints. Being dropped, but I thought this was interesting. Tracy Wolfson on CBS yesterday. She's the sideline reporter for CBS. Does a great job. Yep. And uh, Kevin Warren was sitting in the box at Lambeau Field, and this was her report. Well, Jim, I had a chance to speak with Bears team president and CEO Kevin Warren before the game, and he told me tomorrow the coaches will have a final meeting with the players, and then he and Ryan Poles will have their end-of-the-year process and recap with the coaches. One thing he stressed to me is the importance of stability. They have a stadium plan, a team plan, and they have a culture plan, and he's been very pleased with what he's seen in terms of the improvement of Justin Fields and this team this year. And Kevin Warren mentioned to me his time with Dick Vermeil and the L.A. Rams and how it took until year three to put it all together. He sees this as a similar situation. Certainly will be interesting to see what the Bears ultimately do, guys. So was that our best indicator that they're running it all back? I mean, if you're reading tea leaves, I could see how you go there. I would question, like, didn't Vic, Dick Vermeil take the the Eagles to the Super Bowl? He did. Dick Vermeil, don't forget, is a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare... 
when Matt Eberflus has done in the first couple of years with this group. With By that time, when Kevin Warren was with Dick Vermeil, he had already had a pretty storied career with the Eagles, right? With the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, for those who remember, though, the first two years with Vermeil in St. Louis was, was very rocky. Yeah. And there was talk that he was working them too hard. He was too old school. Right. And that, that maybe he would be fired. And then right. Kurt Warner and The Greatest Show on Turf happened. But still, like... Kevin Warren told her that he's comparing this to the Rams and their situation. Stay the course. Is that in general terms or was he giving, did he open up the windows of Hallis Hall and was he showing her their plan? That's, I don't know. I, he, the word, to, you know, stability, you know, stable, you know, is, is not thrown out there casually. And I think you would talk stability if you're connecting dots would mean continuity right in some ways continuity and stability or mm-hmm. or kind of in the same ballpark consistency and just, continuity i would just say like i said before however ryan poles and kevin warren decide and i'm sure that they will do exhaustive research on certain stuff i'm just hoping they make the right decisions not the comfortable decisions not the ones that you know are are you know, uncomfortable. You got to make the right decisions. Or the cheaper decisions. Whatever it is, you've got to make the right decisions, whether it's the quarterback or it's the coach, just to make sure your process is detailed. That's what I liked about the Warren decision is because when they hired Kevin Warren, I felt like it wasn't the comfortable decision. Right. He was outside. He was different. And I just hope that it's not same old bears. This was Poles. On the pregame show with Jeff Joniak, raving about Matt Eberflus yet again. You can go back to the original press conference and, and things that I was looking for. One is, is leadership and the mental toughness and the, the steady hand to, to really captain the ship when the seas are rough. Um, and they got rough at certain times. Certainly last year, early this year, there was some sudden change. And he was steady at the wheel. He, he fought you know, to get back above water and, and get things the way they, they were. He, his ability to adapt and adjust, really take input from the players um, to, to get this thing on the right path was, was incredible, where I think a lot of people would have been in, a, in really bad shape and, and crumbled to the pressure. He got better with the pressure, and so did our football team. He's been very consistent in the way he raves about it. He loves his head coach, or at least he loves the qualities of his head coach. And, and a lot of what he said, I can relate to and, and relate with. And, and there were a lot of admirable things, and the improvement was tangible. But again, it's the job of the people in charge to make sure, right? If you've got an opportunity to upgrade your team, regardless of position, coaches, whatever it is, isn't it that? Isn't that their charge? Isn't that what they've been entrusted with? Of course it is. Yeah. So I, you know, if you've come to the conclusion that this is your best path and these are the best people to do what we've asked them to do, coach, quarterback, offensive court, whoever it is, if you've gone through the process and you make this decision, then then I can't argue with it. If you're just making decisions based on convenience and comfort, which I don't think they are. Then you, I don't think you're actually doing the, the organization any justice at all. So I would just say again, when you go through the process, you always got to ask yourself, can I get better here? Can I get better there? That's what they did at right tackle, right? They got better at right tackle because they drafted Darnell Wright. 
Isn't that what they did at cornerback by drafting Tyreek Stevenson? And they drafted Kyler Gordon sure. the year before? They may before. do that at left tackle, even though they like Braxton Jones. Right. So, like, these are all decisions that you make to be better in all of these individual areas. You don't stop at any one place. Right. Well, let's get to the calls. Jack and Wheaton, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jack? Hey, guys. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. Uh, just wanted to say I... Uh, you know, I'm excited for the national championship game tonight. Uh, I'm excited that it starts uh, a little earlier than the, the semis did last uh, two weeks ago. And uh, I'm excited we'll have some uh, time before bed for, uh, to get hyped for the Harbaugh coaching announcement uh, with the Bears as you replace the Super Clues. Oh, yeah? Or do you know, you know something, or are you just wishing it into existence? I'm just going to keep talking about it, and you know, maybe the football gods will get sick of me and just give it to me. Well, uh, I was asking Waddle this question. And, and nothing against Eberflus, but you love Jim Harbaugh. I do love Jim Harbaugh. So, he was my quarterback for four years. There was no teammate I had that I, that I loved anymore. I loved them all, but I loved Jim equally. If, if Jim Harbaugh wins a national championship, and hours later it's reported that Jim Harbaugh is being hired by the Bears, it would be the biggest, most exciting off the field bears announcement for you since what? Wow. I mean, I don't ever. Well, because of my, you know, my personal feeling about Jim and the relationship, probably, yeah. I mean, I wasn't here and whenever, you know, Coach Ditka was was hired. Remember how excited we were when they traded for Cotty? Probably the Jay Cutler trade. Is probably Jay where Cutler I go. day? Yeah. And look, again, it does it. I can be happy about that with respecting the job that Matt Eberflus did in the second can. half of the sure, season. Sure. Like, I can have two thoughts. But if you told me that Jim Harbaugh, who's had success at every level, was coming, quote unquote, home, I would be, I would be thrilled because he's a, he's a culture changer. He's won wherever he's been. He's I, on, a, on a list of priorities for me with Jim Harbaugh, him as a former Bear is last. Yeah, it's not. It's, I mean, it's it really has the least to do with it. He him being a winner everywhere he's been as right. a coach has the most to do with it. Yeah, I don't deny that. It's just it's an undeniable connection that I have with right, him right. that is you know would still resonate with me very loudly. Uh, Dave in Indiana, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Dave? Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, good afternoon. Season's over with. Um, I just got some some stats from yesterday's game. All right, so Khalil Herbert, 12 carries, 2.3 average. He's an elusive back. He's not a downhill back. He's a sideline to stop, sideline, stop and go. He was slipping all day. Roshan Johnson, he's our downhill back. Five carries, 20 yards, four yards in attempt. What, in what time in the game do you say to yourself, man, the conditions are slippery? Let's give the ball more to our power back, like they're like like Jones. Their coaches know what's up. We're over here looking like some second tier high school coaches for damn sake. I'm on that couch screaming, run the ball down the middle, give it to Johnson. Where's twenty three? On the other side, Jones all damn day running down our throat. Because they know what's up. The field is slippery. 
why do you have your scat back running sideline to sideline, stopping and going? Give the ball to your power back. On the slant, that's the only play that was working for us all day long. So more, let's do it. Nope. Oh, it worked good. Let's let's not do that again. Let let's do a uh let's do a sideline to sideline running to Herbert. When are we going to invest into the coaching? When are we going to stop being that team that gives first time uh playmakers a shot? That my my grandma would do better than. Jesse has never called plays in his life, and you're gonna let him take over the position for your quote unquote franchise quarterback to see if can possibly do it. I'm gonna hang up and have a good day. Yeah, All the best to your grandma, Dave. Uh, yeah, Aaron Jones uh, got 22 carries in large part because their other running back was inactive. So, I mean, that's the reason why Aaron Jones kept getting the football. In fact, if in fact A.J. Dillon had been healthy, normally what they do is they give them both an equal opportunity to run. He is right about it. I was shocked by the slippery conditions, but maybe he's right they about just going Aaron down. Aaron Jones as well. I mean, Aaron right. Jones slipped a couple times, too. Right, right. But and Really? I mean, like, of all of I'd the like things... The of all of that's fine, but of all of the things that I'm going to hold somebody accountable for, here's. Did you hear DJ Moore? Was this uh, this was after the game yesterday? I read the quote first, and then I've not heard him in the tone. He was asked about Lucchetti and Lucchetti's play calling, and this is what DJ Moore had to say. I think it's fine. No, uh, like I said, it just come down to us being explosive on on the offensive side. Uh, the, we got the players to do it. We got. We got our quarterback to do it. You know, everything else just – we just need to call the plays that put us in position to have explosive down the field or catching runs like, like we did today. So we just got to be an explosive team and, and not a team that's just behind the sticks. I mean, I don't know what What did that mean? I, I mean, first of all, Justin didn't have a whole lot of time if you want to push the ball downfield. I would argue that the ball needed to come out sooner rather than later because our offensive line wasn't capable of keeping the Packers' pass rush off of him for the majority of the game. Look, I, I, there is obviously a disconnect with a lot of this stuff. And this is why I said to you earlier, like, I don't think that Luke Getze is, is football Satan. But he, you're asking him to run an offense that this is not what he does. So if you were going to move forward with Justin, I fully expect, and they keep Beaverloos, I fully expect them to get rid of Luke Getty and bring in a new offensive coordinator. And if you're going to move forward with Justin and you've decided that there's no one in the draft that you can't live without, I would suggest that you've got to find somebody that will, that will tailor the offense more to his skill set. I mean, look, he has... He's not a guy that is going to excel in the offense that the Green Bay Packers are running right now. It's quick read, ball come out, everything else. It's just not what he does. So you're going to have to find somebody that comes in and will try to, to tailor the offense more to what he does. I would just say that even, even when you do that, you're still going to have to be effective from the pocket. Because if what you're trying to do is just cut the field in half and roll left and roll right and always be on the move... You become an easier offense to defend. If you're a defensive coordinator and 85% of what you're doing is cutting the field in half, you're going to be easier to defend. So you're going to have to, even if you bring in somebody that is going to use 
a system that is more friendly to Justin's skill set, you're still going to have to excel with some of the basic things that all quarterbacks in the National Football League, even if you are a dual threat, you're still going to have to do some well, of this your, stuff. Your, your breakdown last week was perfect about his best game and the biggest success was from the pocket. Of course. So I, I think what most people were mad about yesterday was obviously they couldn't do a lot of stuff from the pocket yesterday because the protection breakdowns up the middle like that was the worst we've seen, and Tevin Jenkins, who's been their most dependable offensive lineman probably this year, had his worst game. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't have really any problem with how Justin played yesterday. You could pick it a couple of things. They didn't lose that game yesterday because Justin Fields did a bunch of stuff wrong. They didn't do anything offensively because as a crew, like has happened so many times, whether you want to call it play calling, it's a breakdown here, it's a breakdown there. The quarterback will break down and so like collectively, it just hasn't been good enough. Will it get better if you bring in a different play caller and a guy that will quote unquote tailor the offense to just maybe, maybe it will. But again, you're still going to have to function from between your tackles. That's the nature of the National Football League. Everybody does it. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does it. Uh, Lamar Jackson does it. Uh, Josh Allen does it. Everybody that can threaten you out on the edge, CJ Stroud, everybody is still functioning from the pocket when it is necessary. Dan in Arlington Heights, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Danny? Hey, guys. So um, I think the overall, the the emotion I've got right now uh, is is apathy. And I think that Tracy Wolfson report just tells me and, and confirms what I fear the most, that we've got this recency bias around wins against crappy teams have clouded the judgment of Ryan Poles, the McCaskies, and, and Kevin Warren. And we're going to be doing the same thing all over again. And I know Kevin Warren was brought in because he can get a stadium built, but he needs to start building a team to put in that stadium. I, I need Eberflus to be gone by the end of the week. Um, you know, I give him credit for putting, you know, keeping the team together towards the back half of the season. Um you know, I just can't remember a time in my life watching Bears football where they're on offense and I felt confident that they could get one in the end zone. And the Cleveland game is a perfect example of that because it would took, what, eight plays for a one-yard drive? I'm just sick of the Bears being irrelevant, and they're irrelevant because they suck. If we weren't in one of the largest markets in the country, we'd be forgotten by everyone. We are mundane in every aspect of the game. The Bears are the 30-year-old that still wears their varsity letter jacket, acting like they're the hot stuff, talking about the 85 Bears and the black and blue division. I'm 33. I don't care anymore. I respect it, but we're living in the past. You know, when other teams get to schedule at the beginning of the year and they kind of go, you know, win, loss, win, win, loss, they see the Bears every single time, and they probably say win. Mike Florio wrote a great book about, uh, called Playmakers about every big you know, NFL story in the last 25 years, and I read it. They don't mention the Bears once. They talk about Rex Grossman in like a throwaway line. But like we are so boring and uninspiring that we can't even crack the history of the football in the last quarter century. Um, I think that Caleb Williams is where we need to go. If Drake May went to any other college except for North Carolina, I'd probably say him because of his size, but you know, a little bit of PTSD there. Yeah. We need to get a left tackle in Joe Walt or the big guy from Penn State. And the you know, last thing I'll say is if Justin can't learn, uh, learn a new offense, if we bring him back, you know, that tells me all I need to know because they are paid 
very handsomely to learn and perform. Yeah, but it's not that easy, Dan. Like, it make you, Dan makes a lot of, I mean, interesting points, but could Justin do it? Absolutely, absolutely he could. But to, to really feel good about it and, like, if you come in and change, and I'm assuming you're going to in a lot of ways, because, again, when Lou Getzey came here to run, and, and this is just from, from an arm's length distance, was what they did in, in, in Green Bay. Okay, you've adjusted it because Justin does other things well. Um, if you bring in a new offensive coordinator, you're probably speaking a different language, so the terminology is going to be different. You know, a lot of the protection issues may change. It's a lot to ask a guy now to be in his third offense in four years. Now, I'm, I'm saying to you, if they keep Iverflus and they keep Justin, you have to, in my opinion, you have to change the offensive coordinator yeah. and bring in somebody Good. like... I'm glad you're, you're saying yeah. that, that you're not just keeping him to, because How you can't. Can you? You, you can't. Just, you're it's, just, not, it's not working. It hasn't worked. Yeah, whether yeah. It's, and again, it, it doesn't mean I'm blaming all of it on not. If you keep them, you can't get, keep no. them together. No, you have to bring in something that does tailor the, the terminology, the protection. All of it's towards more of a style that everyone feels Justin plays more efficiently in. You, I, you can't run it back with the same offense and just expect in year three... It'll be his fourth year in the league, but three years into this offense, all of a sudden now, you know what? We're going to start getting the ball out quick like they do in the West Coast game. No, this is just, I mean, there is enough evidence to say that's not what he does well enough. Like, you can make some improvement in it, but you're going to have to tailor the offense more to what he does. And you can't do that with Luke Getze just with another offseason, you know, reading different books on different offenses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... I mean, that's why there are so many dominoes that are connected here. And this is why I think it's a tough decision on a lot of fronts for, for Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles. And Ryan Poles, like I keep saying Kevin Warren, but I believe Kevin Warren is going to let Ryan Poles do his job. And I think that there, I think this, this is just my speculation that Ryan will have free reign to come into Kevin Warren and bounce ideas off of him and will welcome his input. But at the end of the day, my guess is, is Kevin Warren wants Ryan Poles to do his job and will allow him to do his job. And Ryan will do that. It's, well, these are I, his I, decisions. He's probably won the benefit of the doubt in the last eight weeks. Yeah. Based on Montez Sweat, based on some of the younger players blossoming as well. Yes, and, I mean, you want, your, you want your general manager to have the loudest voice in the room when it comes to football decisions. Doesn't mean Kevin Warren won't be there for support. He'll give his opinion. It's a valued opinion, but at the end of the day, my guess is is that Kevin Warren's going to allow Ryan Poles to do what he feels is best across the, the, the landscape. You know, I always tell you that you, you must learn from history. I want to remind you of a story of what happened with Pace and Nagy. And what I heard in the bite with um, Tracy Wolfson about how they're going to meet with the coaches. You and I are on this thing. I, I want to tell you about the meeting that happened between Pace, Nagy, Ted, and George a few years ago and how they were able to buy one more year. And I, I and is history repeating itself right now at Hallis Hall with the internal meetings going on right now? And are they not learning from history? We'll, uh, we'll discuss that coming up next. It's 
that time again when we venture deep into the great unknown. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. A trip inside the mind of a multi-concussed former Bears wide receiver. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him, and he had an all-time day in the use of smelling salt. Buckle up, boys and girls. Tom Waddle, everything works out with Tom Waddle. If I had a football team, I'd like to have a Tom Waddle on my team because you draw from that. It's time to go inside. Waddle's World. Tom Waddle did have to use a lot of smelling oh, salt. Oh, yes. Waddle's World brought to you by our great friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash finance member FDIC. Do you remember the story uh, that bought the Bears one more year? I believe it was after they lost to New Orleans in the postseason. What I do remember is you and I looking at each other and preaching loudly, consistently, that there's a really good chance this isn't going to go well. So if, in fact, this is a do-or-die season for the GM and the coach, can't allow them to pick a new quarterback because if it doesn't go well, they're going to be gone and the quarterback will be here. Right, right. This is before that, though. So the... This is, they had just lost to the New Orleans Saints in the postseason. Right. Exit meetings were happening. We're in the stage that the Bears are in right now. The Bears season had just ended. I remember watching that game at Carmen's place, at Carmen's house. Was we had that, a watch party. Remember, we, like, we've... Do you remember the undisciplined uh, move that they made with, uh, what was it, Garner Johnson? Is yes. that his name? Yes. They had warned, and they had an instance with him, I think, in the regular season, too. Was it Javon Wims? He yes. dropped the ball. And wasn't it Anthony Wims Miller? He dropped the ball, and Miller, I think, may have gotten okay, into something. But, they, but Wims may have gotten into it during the regular season. Right. Here. There was something that had happened, and they had warned about it. But, but it was like the fake playoff berth. They had no. It was a. That oh, was, yeah. I know. Before, was the, that was before there were really seven in the yeah, postseason. They right. added one for COVID. Right. So, anyway. COVID, you got to have an extra playoff team. No we're, doubt. We're, that's what they did. They You're right. Up, and so. We all we all were it was it was at that stage, believe it or not, the fan base was pretty unanimous. The pace and Nagy had to go, even though I think they were eight and eight that year. They won a couple of games down the stretch. They, you know, they, they adjusted what they were asking Mitch to do. He went, did some bum slaying, and then got into the postseason. Right. And we never thought they were have going to have any traction. So it was Mitch, and and they knew that Mitch, we knew they knew everyone in house knew Mitch wasn't the answer. So what they did after they lost, Ted and George said, Matt Ryan. We want you guys in our office this week, and we want you to come up with a plan, if you want to keep your jobs, to tell us how you're going to solve the quarterback issue. So it's open. They were thinking about letting go of the coach and the general manager. So they go in, and they go, look, here's our plan. We're going to go with the bridge quarterback. And that was like they were brainstorming about names, and Andy Dalton would eventually be the guy. We're going to go with the bridge. Was that like ten million for one year, something yeah. like that? Uh huh. And we're going to draft a guy, and we're going to go with the Mahomes plan, and we're going to let him sit. We're going to let him learn, and he. We're not going to rush him. We're going to slow play this. Like, but they had to all the entire staff was basically told 
We want you, there's an emergency meeting. We want you all to come up with your best ideas on how we can come with our best plan for the quarterbacks because Ted and George want us to sell them on why we should keep our jobs, basically. And when I heard this bite from Tracy Wolfson... Well, Jim, I had a chance to speak with Bears team president and CEO Kevin Warren before the game, and he told me tomorrow the coaches will have a final meeting with the players, and then he and Ryan Poles will have their end-of-the-year process and recap with the coaches. One thing he stressed to me is the importance of stability. They have a stadium plan, a team plan, and they have a culture plan, and he's been very pleased with what he's seen in terms of the improvement of Justin Fields and this team this year. And Kevin Warren mentioned to me his time with Dick Vermeil and the L.A. Rams and how it took until year three to put it all together. He sees this as a similar situation. Certainly will be interesting to see what the Bears ultimately do, guys. So, again, they want to be wowed with the continuity. They want to keep them. The difference is the general manager is in a safe place. Right. The coaches, maybe not as safe. But the point is here is... With Eberflus, what Eberflus doesn't have is he doesn't have a DC or he doesn't have an OC. So what he or probably doesn't have an OC. So probably what they're doing is if I know Hallis Hall well, and I do, um, while Ted isn't there anymore, George still is. I don't know Kevin Warren from anything because none of us do. But they're probably wanting to know with Matt Eberflus right now, what's your solution at OC? If we get rid of Getze, what's your solution at OC? Who are your names? Who are your DC names? Do you intend to call plays? And these are a lot of important questions. So this is probably what uh, uh, they'd like to keep him, like they wanted to have Matt Nagy stay, and they wanted to have Ryan Pace stay because change is difficult. Sometimes because they want to love. They want to keep the continuity. But that doesn't, as we've learned, you have to learn from your past if you want to change the course of history here. And what, are, what's, what hasn't changed? They're probably still going to draft a new quarterback. And just like they did back in that 2020 season, are they going to make the same mistake? And are they going to let the coach convince them to keep him and, and make the proper changes, what they deem the proper changes, uh, with the OC, with the DC, are they going to draft another quarterback only for in a year or two years for him to get fired to screw the next quarterback, much like Justin Fields was screwed? And are they going to ruin another quarterback along the way? It's, it's a great question, and we've seen this, this movie before. And that's why I would understand why people would have tremendous trepidation about going forward with a similar plan. That's why I've said all along is is you've got to make some, whatever decisions you make, they've got to be solid, well-thought-out decisions. They can't be convenient decisions. They can't be comfortable decisions. Sometimes the the, the best decisions are the most uncomfortable decisions. Got to be shrewd. You have to. I mean, they did it on the north side with the manager. He was he was a World Series hero. Yes. Manny Eberflus was never carried off the field in a Game 7 or a Super Bowl. 
You may love, but is it the right move to win the championship? And listen, if that's the route they go, it better work. Because if it doesn't, they will be. You're gonna set. You're gonna set them back another three or five years. Yes, and then a whole series of changes will take place down the road mm. as well. Patrick in Lake Forest, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Patrick? Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, two questions for your expertise to ponder. Um, number one, how how customary or usual is it for a team like the Bears? You know, kind of mid table, got some talent. To have that number one pick, it seems to me this is a very unusual situation. It is. For us not to take advantage of it would just be really shameful. And I just feel like you want to keep Poles fine. He's done a nice job with roster and salary cap. But why not go out and take advantage of this thing that almost never happens in the NFL? And number two, did it seem to you guys, forget about how the, how the result ended, did it seem to you guys like the Bears weren't all in, with a few exceptions, on the game yesterday? I mean, I saw Eddie Jackson completely whiffing on a tackle. A couple other times, seems like guys weren't all in. And the one that really got me was Fields gets that late hit. Where are the guys rushing to his defense? Not that they need to get fined or anything, but I just didn't see that commitment for a team supposedly playing for its coach and it's quarterback. So a couple of questions I'd love to hear you guys uh, give your insight. Well, first of all, I mean, the whether or not the teammates came to rally around, I would hope that the officials would rally first. And there have been a number of calls that haven't been made this year. And I think it is an issue. Let's look, if we are going to if we are going to go pretty much overboard to protect our quarterbacks. So like anytime they're sneezed on, we call roughing the passer. Like, then we should do it uniformly. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're going to protect quarterbacks, and that was what we're going to do, then Justin should be protected. Yeah, by, by the by people the rules who are paid where, to what, where, protect them. Right. So if we're going we're gonna to make an effort to go out of our way to protect our quarterbacks because they're really important players, then we need to do that across the league. Were you surprised by, oh, I forget, who's the, I forget CBS, so who's their rules expert? Gene Steratore. It was Gene Steratore. Steratore said that he didn't think that that was a foul. And to me, he was all what, what I had always thought the rule was. If you're in your process of sliding, you cannot be hit. And like I know, as they explained it, the defender was also in his process of making the tackle or going in on t- making the tackle. I've seen more. I've seen more hits that were, I thought, more egregious and more deserving a penalty. Like, I still believe you throw the flag on that play. Me too. Because you have made this commitment to protect your quarterbacks, even those that are dual-threat dual quarterbacks. That's the weird thing. I know the refs, that's the one rule where they're told, when in doubt, throw the flag. Yeah. Because they want their quarterbacks to except remain healthy. Justin. But that's when the weird- in doubt, except if it's Justin. <laughs> He's the, he had no... Roughing the passer calls this did, year. Did you hear that? Just crazy. Teddy Bruschi uh, went off on this. This is before the game on um, ESPN. Take a listen to this. And let me just go off on a tangent a little bit right here when it comes to Justin Fields and get to the officiating on how these officials look at him. 
okay, because I've seen enough of him getting hit when he slides, getting hit uh, illegally when they should be calls. I'm calling, this is what Eberflus should have been doing for the last four weeks. It's like, listen, man, you've got a franchise quarterback here, and these guys are teeing off That's on one. this. They're teeing off on this guy, and these officials think just because oh. he's big, strong, and fast that when he starts to slide, he really doesn't mean it. So I got to slam him down. I got to do things like this because, ref, how am I supposed to bring him down? What are the officials going to give him the respect that he deserves because this can be the future of the league in this guy's face right here in Justin you talk- I would just say treat them all, treat every quarterback the, ra- the same way. Like if you're going to protect him, protect him. If you're going to throw a flag and we're going to, listen, there are plenty of times when we bellyache about them throwing flags to protect quarterbacks, but you've made the commitment to do it, so do it. Do it in a consistent fashion. Well, it doesn't seem like he gets the calls that a lot of the right. other quarterbacks get. That's my get. point, yeah. Yeah. Right. is that if you're going to make that like, again, I see a lot of people get pissed off at, like, that's not a roughing the passer. If we're going to make the commitment to throw the flag, even when there's not a ton of contact, then you should throw the flag when there is a ton of, of, of contact. I would say, too, to the caller, look, it was not their best effort. I don't necessarily – I think the Green Bay Packers at this t- time, they have the Bears' numbers, and it sucks. Like – they, they're a better team at the line of scrimmage. Every time we play them, they dominate the line of scrimmage. They give our offensive line trouble. They give our defensive line trouble. I don't believe there, what was there, one sack and maybe two or three other pressures. Now, the ball's coming out quick with Jordan Love. That's what they do. But I, I think not having Jalen Johnson was a problem course, for them yeah. as well because not only is Jalen a Pro Bowl caliber player, and I would argue an all-pro player, he also sets the tone in that secondary you know, he, you guys... Gordon and, was banged up, obviously. Gordon was banged up. You lost Smith at one point as well. So, look, I'm not trying to make excuses. You can't continue to be dominated by your so-called rival. Um, I'm not so sure it was a situation where they weren't ready to play. Green Bay just, they had a better plan and they executed better than our guys did. It How sucks. many times have you said that? Well, and, and their quarterback has played great football mm-hmm. over the last how many weeks? I'm in denial. It's fake. You can keep He's saying that. He's going to come back down to earth next year. Okay. <laughs> Jeff and Morris, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's going on, guys? You yeah. tell us. Well, so here, here's a couple points. All right, so I just I wasn't going to bring this up, but it, it got brought up with this whole St. Louis thing and the three year, um, you know, project. If you go back to when the Rams their third year, you know what they did? They signed uh, a, one of the greatest running backs of all time in Marshall Falk, and they drafted arguably a Hall of Fame wide receiver. The Bears do not have a running game, guys. You could say what you want. Our running backs are mediocre. Okay? Wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. First of all, they were the number one all running right. team in the league, and I get it, Justin's part of it, but that's part of the offense. And Khalil Herbert has averaged over five yards per carry since he's been here. So I would say that the Bears' running game is basically what they do best, Jeff. Well, you know what? They don't pass my eye test. I'm telling you, I look at, like, Saquon Barkley – I look at um, um, all these top running backs, and they don't do that. And, and look at all like, – like they're, they're not Christian McCaffrey, and that would help immensely. I know every team doesn't have that, but I'm telling you, they're part of the problem. They're not part of the solution. And uh, secondly, like I said, they drafted Torrey Holt. Am I still on the, on the line? Yeah, 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 you're still here. Okay. 
So they go and they draft Torrey Holt. Now I know they had Kurt Warner, but he was a he was a backup. Okay, who survived it because of all the weapons they put around him. They also had a Hall of Fame receiver named Isaac Bruce. Okay, then he goes to Arizona and he has a Hall of Fame receiver uh, in Larry Fitzgerald and, and an all pro in Anquan Bolden. So that's my first point, guys. Let me, let me, let, we won't cut you off, Jeff, but let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you, were you watching closely last night what, what Green Bay did with Bo Melton? Dontarian Wicks, um, Jaden Reed. What was the other tight end's name? Tucker something. Yeah, Tucker you know what I seen, Tommy? You know what I seen? I seen a Bears defensive line get manhandled at the front, and then I seen a, a, a Bears offensive line get manhandled at the front. But that's just, but that's not. not but but my point I'm making to you no, no, is no. is that you can. Your point is valid, Jeff. That if I surround you as a quarterback or an offensive coordinator with all pro talent across the board, of course it's going to be beneficial. I'm just telling you that's not the only way to skin a cat. Because no, we not. saw the it's Green not, Bay Tommy. Packers. Wait a second, Jeff. We've seen the Green Bay Packers that. That dude up there threw for over 4,000 yards and 32 touchdown passes with the youngest group of wide receivers and tight ends in the National Football League. The kid in Houston did it with a group that you don't even know who they are. The only well, point they, they I'm, got a much the, better coaching staff in Houston. But, uh, that just, I mean, if you watch any of their games. I, point watch, point a, I watch a lot of games. I do. I really do. And, and you may make a good point that they've got better coaches here or they've got better coaches there. My only point to you is... You don't have to have an offensive huddle filled with Hall of Famers to necessarily succeed. That's all okay, I'm saying fine. to you, Jeff. No, no, and I agree with you. But here, that, again, that gets back to my, my last point. That's why with this draft pick, you well, this is a golden opportunity where you could take that pick and you can multiply it like the freaking gremlins on Christmas, okay? And it's not going to happen again. But if you do it now... It could multiply next year, and you get more picks, and it could keep, it can possibly keep going. But if you settle on the quarterback, okay, it's not going to happen. Jeff, uh, and you got to, yeah. you guys have a quarterback. We have a quarterback that I'm telling you, he will be here next year. You can record this, and you can play it next year. Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback in Chicago. Three forty-seven, Monday, January eighth. Jeff and Morris says Justin hey. is reporting. Justin Fields is back. And, and and listen, I'm not going to tell you that that's not the decision that Ryan Poles doesn't. He may make that decision. All, he, I'm, tell, all enough, I'm telling he's you, Jeff, all I'm telling you, Jeff, is, is that's not the only way to actually find your way into a successful situation is by just look, Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't on the Green Bay Packers yesterday, nor was the kid from Washington. They did it with a bunch of guys who were second and third round picks who you probably don't know most of their names, nor do I. So there's more than one way to find offensive success is all I'm saying. It doesn't have to be. I agree. That's the only thing that I bristle at is that everybody says, well, the only way to be successful going forward is, is we have to trade the first overall pick and turn it into a bunch of, of, of first-round picks that are going to turn into Hall of Famers. How about this? Well, the Cowboys did it, too, in the early 90s. That, that, that panned out for them pretty well, didn't it? The, uh, you, well, yes, there are different examples. I'm telling you it's not the only way you have to do it. Well, and, you know, the, the thing about, thing about this, the Bears with the cycle of, like, 
Trubisky, okay, it didn't work out. Let's dump him. And then Alfields didn't work out. How about let's just try Because they really have never had this opportunity to go this route. Why not just, hey, you know Fields. Look, I seen Sylvie at the game in Atlanta. I told him, have faith in the guy. And he had his best game of the year, okay, because the guy can go. It was the power okay? of Jeff and Morris. Yeah. Yeah. He's got him out better than uh, Mahomes, right, Jeff? You've got Fields well, as a better QB than Mahomes, yes? I would, I would take him every day that we go for Patrick Mahomes. I will say that with my dying breath. Mahomes is a crybaby, and you know what? With the talent around him, he has not been the same guy, guys. You could, you could, you could, you know, take you it to want the bank, to believe Waddle. it or not. They won the division the again, guy. didn't they? Didn't he not throw the for over 4,000 yards? Did he throw for over 4,000 yards and they won the division? Right, Mel? Well, did that, he that, throw for Okay, yeah, yeah, you know what? But the division's bad. But plus, he's got, he's got a lot of other things around him with the coaching. He's got great ownership. And, you know, like you said, but they, they didn't. They didn't. They, they, they ain't all kosher in KC. Okay? We got other. It was great to see you at the game, though. Uh, the other day, and thank you for listening as always. Yes, of course. The only again, the only thing that I am, am, am that I am disputing with Jeff is that that's the only the way only to get thing? there. That's the only well, thing you're disputing. I've got Fields over Mahomes. What I'm no, 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 not what I'm saying to you is is there are several examples that will smack you in the face that you don't have to have a a an offensive huddle filled with future Hall of Famers to still find success. Carmen went through the exercise with the Houston Texans this year with C.J. Stroud. Right? Yes. And Big we Z wrote saw, about it today, we too. We saw it last night. With, up with at, the Packers. Up at Lambeau with the Packers. Sure. So, well, like, like, don't tell me that the only way we can find success is we have to trade the first pick and load up, up our huddle with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers, and that's the only way that we're going to get good. Illyrian Winnetka, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Blair? Hey, what's up, guys? You know, uh, I'm going to have a, let's say, let's have a nice hypothesis. So let's fast forward to draft day. You know, the Bears already traded Justin Fields, got maybe whatever we get in return. You know, if we draft Caleb Williams, do you think Williams will have a better connection with his receivers, including Moore and everybody else, just how Love did this year. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I have no idea. I mean, to be 100% honest with you, I don't know. But it's not up to me. It's up to the general manager. And if the general manager feels that Caleb Williams or Drake May is a better quarterback now and going forward than Justin, then you have to use that pick on that guy. If Ryan Poles decides that he's uncertain about that, then I would understand why you would trade that pick. You would fortify your team in many ways. You would move forward with Justin, still not sold that he is your ultimate quarterback for the next five or seven years. Leave yourself some wiggle room to get out of that contract or to pivot and go in a different direction at a future time and still try to make your, your football team better. I mean, these are difficult evaluations, but I would think the process or the what I just described is pretty easy to come to that conclusion, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's going to be a tough decision, but those, the process of what you're stating is easy. If yes. Drake May or Michael Penix or Caleb Williams, you do all of your due diligence and you decide emphatically with no, you know, there, 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 there's, there's no concern in your brain. I mean, nothing's 100% If, if he perfect. could take you on the C.J. Stroud ride, 
then, then you, you take then it. Then you draft that yes, kid. Yes. If there's any uncertainty at all and you're then, waffling. Then you trade that. Then you trade. Yep. Isn't that a pretty yep. simple approach to this? Yes, yes. Uh, Jerry on the south side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jerry? Hey, um, I got a couple questions. Uh, first of all, I'm surprised that nobody's putting anything on the GM. At the In the middle of the third quarter, the receivers that we have on the field are the guy that's returning kicks, Bayless Jones, number 80, whoever he is, and then Tanyan, who are guys that he went all out and got. We don't have, you know, quality receivers that can block. Um, on top of it, the second thing that I want to say is the fact that isn't that the offensive coordinator putting those players in? And why, you know, more the reason why, I did, if you watch the game, Moore was double-teamed the whole second half, and they said, these guys who can't get any separation at all, you're going to have to just run plays that, I don't know, it just seemed ridiculous. At one point in time, there were three times in a row where first down, second down, we ran the ball, third down, they ran a stunt up front, and they killed us. And I think... Steeny, whoever this uh, backup center was, he, he's got to fall on uh, yeah, Ryan was, Feeney, Look, you're right, and they gave up a pick for Feeney. That was not a good trade. There are there are a few things that he has not done well. The Velas draft was not good. The Claypool trade was not good. He's got a blind spot right now, I think, for young wide receivers. He's got to get better. Like, D.J. Moore was an established wide receiver that he knew he had to have. Tyler that's, Scott's got a long way yeah, to go. That's an area that they, as scouts, have to get better at. But there, to me, over now the last six months, it's become apparent that there's been far more good than bad. Um, Tanyan was a a second tight end who had a really nice run in, in Green Bay that they didn't pay a lot of money to. That had familiarity with the offensive coordinator. Um, I, I liked the signing of Tanyan. Jordan uh, Love was 27 of 32 for 316 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. Jaden Reed, Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks, and Tucker Craft combined for 18 catches and well over 200 yards and two touchdowns. They, Don't tell me it can't be done with guys that... You barely know. They said they had Jaden Reed in the building, too. Paul said in his pregame interview. Um, so it, it is an area they have to get better, and it's a very no deep wide receiver draft, and we'll see where they go with that. But, but look, there, there's always criticism, but I think he's done far more good now I than agree. bad. I agree. I think you're pointed in the right direction. Most general managers aren't going to get 80% of the, the hits right. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. You got twenty five minutes of uninterrupted Waddle and Selby. There's more to come. Courtney Cronin was uh, inside the Bears locker room as the players were cleaning things out. What does she believe is going to happen later this week with the coaching staff? Courtney joins us coming up next.